Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. It is Monday, May 11th. We're starting a brand new week, and this week on the Locked On Podcast, we have Week number two of our crossover shows this week, the NFC East shows are going to be crossing over with the NFC West opponents. So the schedule for Locked on Giants, we have the Rams today. We will have then the Cardinals on Tuesday, the 49ers Wednesday, and the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday. And then on Friday, we're going to probably have a bonus show, a bonus crossover with Tampa Bay, since that's going to be a big game on the Giants schedule. So again, up first this week on the crossover shows, we have the Locked on Rams crossover with Brad Madar, the host of the Locked on Rams podcast. Before we get into the crossover, though, just a reminder, this show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is one of the best tasting protein bars that I know I have ever uh, had the chance to taste. It tastes just like a candy bar. They have 15 different flavors, both in nut and nut-free varieties. And coming up on the podcast, I'm going to tell you about a special offer that will enable you to get $10 off your first order of Built Bar when you visit their site, BuiltBar.com. But in the meantime, let's jump right into the crossover show with Brad Mader of Locked On Rams. All right, Locked On Nation, welcome back to another crossover week. This time it's the NFC West versus the NFC East. We are catching up on all the teams around the league and checking in post-draft and seeing how they feel about their team coming into this 2020 season. On today's show, we've got an awesome one. We've got Pat- we've got Patricia Trena from Locked On. Let me do that again. Sorry, I was trying to find your name as I was talking. Today, we've got an awesome show. We've got Patricia Trena on here from Locked On Giants. Really excited for that conversation. Patricia, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Brad. How are you? I'm excited for this crossover. These are probably my funnest episodes to do to kind of peek in around the league, especially as we see you guys here on our schedule coming out to Los Angeles. We don't know if there's going to be fans or what, but the schedule was released, so we can get excited about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well as the draft. So welcome in all of our listeners. Uh, you can find all of our shows on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Himalaya. Hit the subscribe button, share with a friend, leave a review. We always appreciate your guys' feedback. Uh, but Patricia, I want to kind of dig into the giant side of this. We'll look at the Rams in the next segment. Uh, but I want to start just where we kind of are coming off of as far as the draft, not too too long ago. Uh, obviously, the Giants had a very high pick in that draft. They went offensive line. But what is your thought overall on the Giants draft? Where did they win? Where do you think that they maybe missed out uh, in that 2020 draft? Well, right off the bat, I've got to say offensive line. The Giants needed to address that offensive line. Um, it, there would have been absolutely no excuse for them not to. And I, and quite frankly, had they not done it, I probably would have been leading the charge to fire General Manager Dave Gettleman. <laughs> you just don't, you just don't finish, you know, in the position they were in, which you know, a top four draft pick, um, a, a tackle rich class. 
they had to address that position. And I'm so glad they did. And they, they double dipped, actually. They went with Andrew Thomas in the first round, who I believe is going to be their future left tackle. And then they took uh, Matt Hart in uh, the third round, um, who's going to be their uh, future right tackle, who projects as, as a right tackle. And then they also picked up a kid by the name of Shane Lemieux, who played left guard in Oregon, but who could potentially be a center. So they really upgraded that offensive line. And it's so important because, you know, you look at the problems the Giants had on defense last year and how many times that defense was on the field for for long stretches of time because the offense couldn't sustain drives. And now I think, you know, you give them better protection for the quarterback, Daniel Jones. You give Saquon Barkley and the running game holes and opportunities. Now maybe any concerns you still might have on the defensive side of the ball are reduced if you will because hopefully the offense can sustain drives yeah and and you you talked about you know addressing that offense line and you've got the big pieces in Barkley and Jones that you've spent high draft picks on so it only makes sense to go out there and protect those guys and allow them to uh, do the best they can in that system the one interesting thing that I saw that I was a little surprised on and I want to hear your thoughts about it was this is a class coming into this draft class that you heard so many people say oh the wide receiver group is so big so large so many great talent uh, and obviously there were needs across the board for this team but were you surprised they didn't find anybody in this draft to kind of go and get at the wide receiver position because you got the line, you got the quarterback, but I'm looking at who's he throwing to Golden Tate, uh, Sterling Shepard, who's been around for a while there, but then it kind of falls off. Thoughts on the wide receiver class and then how you guys are going to address that in you know the 2020 season? You know, at first I was. I think your mock draft I did for the Giants, I had a receiver in there in some way, shape, or form, and I think I, I, I basically stuck with day three. But in having gone back and looked at it, you know, objectively, a couple of th- thoughts come to mind. Number one, the Giants do have a solid three-man rotation at receiver. Golden Tate, as you mentioned, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton. Let's not forget the rookie who had a breakout year. Let all the Giants uh, receivers, tight ends, and running backs with, I think it was 12 touched. No, I'm sorry, eight touchdown receptions last year. So he was the team leader. Then you throw in Evan Ingram. You throw in Saquon Barkley, potentially maybe Caden Smith, the tight end. They have plenty of guys they can throw to. They're just, they're not going to hone in, I think, on one guy like they would if Odell Beckham Jr. were here. They're going to spread that ball around. So really, in terms of receivers, I think what they were maybe looking to do, which is why they went the undrafted free agent route, was to get depth at the position, maybe get, you know, a, a guy who could return a punt or a kickoff. Now, here's where I am a little concerned. Sterling Shepard, as you know, you may know, had two concussions within a four-week period last year. He gets another head injury, and who knows what his future is going to be. Evan Ingram, as talented as he is, cannot seem to stay on the field. So that would be a concern. And Golden Tate, even though he was very productive for the Giants, I don't know that he's the long-term answer at that spot. So I was kind of surprised that they didn't dip into that pool to maybe look for the future. But I kind of see why they didn't. I get their logic, even though I might not necessarily agree with it. That is a great answer because you kind of, you know, brought me back to the roster and said, hey, we do have some guys. But then you kind of finished with also saying, 
But some of those guys also have some injury concerns, so there could be a depth problem there. But you're right, you do have a roster full of guys that can go catch the ball. If they spread it out, uh, Barkley out of the backfield is dangerous in many ways. So, uh, And in that division, which seems to be wide open, and that's kind of my next question when you're looking at this division, last year, really any team struggled to kind of find the top. And really, uh, going in, I think, five weeks left, four weeks left, uh, everybody was in that division. So as you see it shake out with the free agency and the draft across your division, where do you think the Giants fall into it this year? Is it still kind of a building process or is this a year that you really think you can break through and try to go compete and find yourselves in the playoffs? Well, I do think they're still building. And I think, you know, you look around the rest of the division You've got three out of the four teams with new coaching staffs. Now, the Giants obviously have the newest of the coaching staffs because Joe Judge has never been a head coach, whereas Ron Rivera in Washington and Mike McCarthy in Dallas have been head coaches. But still, new staff, new schemes, new language, new everything they're bringing to their respective teams. So as far as I'm concerned, it's kind of a level playing field. You know, the Eagles, you can make the the um, argument that the Eagles have the advantage since they have a staff that's coming back and a lot of their core players coming back. I don't know that that necessarily gives them that advantage, but, you know, certainly something you have to take into consideration. So I would say right now, the division's probably wide open. I, I can't sit here and say, oh, the Cowboys are definitely going to win it or, oh, the Eagles are definitely going to win it. Um, I, I think it's wide open. Um, I don't know that the Giants are going to be a team that's going to maybe challenge and go deep for a playoff spot if they even get to the playoffs. But I do think they're trending in the right direction. And I think most Giant fans, if you ask them, they will be happy with an 8-8 eight and eight record or better. Yeah, very true. Just trying to get back to close to that winning football where you can start to turn the corner. You got so many young guys on that team as far as building, just finding a way to, to win the new coach you mentioned in judge. And, and we're seeing some of that out here in Los Angeles with some of the new coaching staff we have around Sean McVay. Really interesting offseason when you look at that transition, uh, for both these teams. Those are big key moments that we're missing out on, uh, during this offseason, but hopefully we can get back to some normalcy, get these guys in the building for both teams and we'll start to see it. My last question, uh, is, the Giants travel out to the West uh, to face Los Angeles week four. It's the second game for the Rams in their brand new stadium. The first one is against uh, a team you know pretty well in the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, when you look at, at your schedule, how are you feeling about it? Because I see the first handful of games. You got Pittsburgh, Chicago, San Fran, uh, the Rams, Dallas. Uh, before you hit week six at Washington, your first really kind of circle the schedule as, you know, an easier game. But then again, it's division game. So how do you like the schedule and thoughts coming out here on the West Coast early in the season? Well, you know, I, I find the schedule interesting. I still, you know, at the risk of sounding like a, a, a Debbie Downer, I still <laughs> would be surprised if the season starts on time. Yeah. And it's funny because when the schedule first came out and I saw that the Giants weren't opening against Dallas, I said, yay, finally, they broke the trend. But then it, upon closer inspection of the, of the schedule, I said, you know what? If they lop off the first four games of the year and they you know, either reschedule them or cancel them altogether, the Giants are going to open up against Dallas at Dallas. Right. So, so for me, the, 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 the most interesting part of the Giants' schedule is that middle part um, where they have, I think, five out of six games against NFC East opponents. And I thought that construction was really telling. Now, I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked at the other team's schedules, so I don't know if they're set up the same way. 
But I just thought that was really interesting for the Giants. I do know, obviously, the NFL, their intent on playing a full 16-game schedule. Now, we don't know, will it be, you know, will they have to start the season in October and then reschedule the first four games for, you know, the end of the season or cancel them or what, whatever the case may be. But um, I'll tell you what, getting an opportunity to go up against the Rams, Sean McVay is a very, um, you know, brilliant head coach. I know you guys fell upon some hard times last year, but he's still a really, really brilliant head coach. Um, you've got some solid talent there that I think would be an excellent test for this Giants team. And it's a matchup that I would be looking forward to seeing. You're right. And it's funny. I just looked at our schedule as you were talking. We don't have a division opponent until week six. That's at San Francisco. So uh, interesting to see how they're going to do the schedule. It's funny. We have a lot of really fun battles that we can talk about in the next segment that I'm really excited about. It's probably the first time I'm really excited for preseason football and we probably won't have it. Uh, and it's weird. It's the first time I probably wanted to see some preseason action for some of these camp battles we have, but uh, we'll see how this schedule shakes out. And hopefully uh, there's game out here. I know everyone is itching to get in this brand new SoFi stadium and having uh, Dallas open it up and then New York coming in a couple weeks later. It's a really fun start to that home schedule. So uh, what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll jump over. Uh, we'll hit the other side. We'll have Patricia ask some questions here about the Rams, and we will continue our NFC East, NFC West crossover here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hey, Giant fans. If you're like me, every so often you crave something sweet in between meals. And when I get that sweet tooth craving, I satisfy it with a Bilt Bar. Bilt Bars come in 16 amazing flavors and deliver all the sweetness of a candy bar without the high sugar or calorie contents. Covered in 100% chocolate, Bilt Bars deliver a healthy dose of protein and fiber that holds you over in between meals. To give you an example, my personal favorite flavor, mint brownie, contains 15 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs, and is only 110 calories. And now, for listeners of the Locked On Giants podcast, you can try the amazing nut and nut-free flavors Built Bar offers. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back, Giant fans and Rams fans. We are on the NFC East and NFC West crossover week. And uh, my name is Patricia Train. I'm joined by Brad Mater. He is the host of Locked on Rams. And we just finished up talking about the Giants. And now we're going to flip the tables a little bit and have Brad tell us all the lowdown, everything we need to know, Giant fans, about the Los Angeles Rams, whom the Giants will are scheduled to face in the first quarter of 2020 schedule. So, Brad, first off, welcome back to the program. And um, let's talk a little bit about some of the changes that the Rams made in uh, from last year. Now, last year, the Rams loaded up. They traded for Jalen Ramsey. They didn't have a first-round pick. Um, they cut Todd Gurley, uh, they, they just, they really shook things up, I think, because when they, when they came up, um, short of their goals, 
What do you think the the long term impact, or or not the long term, but for twenty twenty, the impact of some of those broken moves that didn't work out for them is is going to have on this club? You know, it's it's a financial reset, really. You're looking at Todd Gurley trying to get off that contract. You're looking at Brandon Cooks trying to get off that contract. Two guys who have some big question marks as far as injuries go. Obviously, we know Todd Gurley with the knee and all the uh, dilemma and conversation that's happened about that over the past year, year and a half. Brandon Cooks, uh, again, kind of this past season, having some issues with some concussions, missed a few games. Um, Long term for him, staying on the field and being healthy, I think is a big question mark. He was owed a lot of money over the next couple seasons. So I think the Rams really were uh, got ahead of themselves a little bit. Les Need, our general manager, has said multiple times that he doesn't regret those contracts and said that those guys earned them and that this organization is going to be one that um, you know, basically takes a player, and if they earn that, they're going to give it to them. Uh, and maybe you look back and you hopefully they learn from something from that. But then again, we went and drafted a running back in round two. Again, if this guy sticks around and can be good, obviously you're expecting some big money coming his way. So I don't know if they've learned their lesson. I think in the short term, it's getting off some of those contracts. In the long term, you're looking around the the sketch around our roster, and you still got some really big names like you mentioned in Jalen Ramsey, and you got Aaron Donald, Jared Goff. Uh, so we got some really young, talented players, Cooper Cup, another one on the offense side of the ball. So I think there's still a really good future for the Rams in the short term this year, trying to get some production on the field, as well as if you look five years down the road, uh, having a game plan for uh, putting a successful team on the field. We're out in L.A., just like you know, out in New York. If you don't do it right, uh, they will let you know about it really quick. So I think the Rams plan on being a team around in the NFC West in a division that is packed, being up near the top for years to come. Now, what about your quarterback, Jared Goff? I know there's been some talk that, you know, is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Where do things kind of stand with him? Oh, man. And and it's funny because, you know, I, when they gave him that deal, I was actually really excited. I figured, hey, before Dak, right after Carson Wentz, you got uh, Patrick Mahomes coming up. There's a few other guys that are expected to get paid big. And I don't want to get into that competition of I need to be paid more than this guy. So let's just fit him in. Get him the money. You know he's a first-round pick. You know the Rams at this point, once they gave him the money, want him around. They've restructured his deal uh, just before the draft, I think it was, to kind of free up some extra money for the Rams to spend on their rookies. Uh, so that kind of also shows you that, you know, they're – that, that's not really a benefit of the team. That kind of shows you also their impact of, hey, this is our guy for long term. He had a down year last year. I'll be the first one to admit that. But I think uh, really the game plan put too much on him. This was a team that ran the football a lot. He worked wonderfully off play action. He's an accurate guy who can throw the football down the field. But when you start to put pressure on him, uh, although he can throw the football outside of the pocket and that's not an issue, he's not like the, you know, the fleet of foot guy inside the pocket. And I think when he sees pressure, uh, instead of taking a sack, which we can appreciate sometimes, he starts throwing the ball, uh, erratic, some interceptions, some turnovers. So those things he has to clean up. But I like him as our quarterback in the future as far as moving this team along. I think he can get it done. I think we just need to get back to a more balanced attack that you saw in 17 and 18 and not have to put him. He's not one of those guys like Russell Wilson where you can say, hey, look, you got no offensive line. We're down two running backs. Go win us the game. That's not Jared Goff's style. He's a guy that's going to be more of the point 
point guard and distribute and and he's going to be very you know valuable for you but he's not the guy that you're going to say hey I'm down all these guys you're going to have to go win us the game and that's the scary thing when you get deep into the playoffs sometimes there's a game like that where he's got to make the throw and we've seen him have a good throw or a timely throw uh, in a big moment he did that in that Super Bowl run but I think there's still questions about him but the Rams the organization loves him they gave him a lot of money so you got to get used to him around here in Los Angeles and I think this year for him and McVeigh are going to be be big prove it years for them you know you talk about a balanced attack you guys uh parted ways with todd Gurley. um and looking at the uh, depth chart depth chart i see you you drafted uh cam Akers. um you also added a couple guys james gilbert and xavier jones to go with malcolm brown who looks like he's going to be the incumbent daryl henderson do you think there's a drop off there or do you feel pretty good about the reshaping of that running uh game attack you know, it's interesting because we didn't see much of Daryl Henderson last year. It's a guy that the Rams traded up back into the third round to go get. And you thought maybe that was one of the reasons they wouldn't draft a running back, that they feel good about Malcolm Brown, the veteran who's been here since Todd Gurley got here five years ago. Uh, he was signed to a deal by the Lions, which the Rams ended up matching to bring him back. So, you know, they like him and they go out and get Cam Akers. I think it's going to be I want to say a running back by committee, but I really think when you go get Cam Akers in the second, you're kind of looking at him as being the guy that can absorb the majority of carries. And if you look at his body, he is that. He's got speed. He's got power. He can run over you. He can run by you. Uh, he can catch the football. So he brings a lot of versatility. I wouldn't think it's a downgrade in a weird way. I think it's an upgrade. And this isn't a knock on Todd Gurley, but I think with Todd Gurley leaving, all the questions about his knee, all those three running backs that I just mentioned have no injury concern right now. There's no anything in the back of Sean McVay's head saying, I need to limit some carries here to be careful. I got to think about long term. It is, I've got three healthy guys and I can really, if you look at the way San Fran did this last year and it's a copycat league, they had three different guys that could run the football and they did a lot of it. I expect the Rams to get close to that. We saw a handful of games and I mentioned this when I was talking about Jared Goff where he was having 40 50 passing attempts in a game, and that is not the style of, that we need to have Jared Goff. So I think if we can get back uh, to running the football, taking a load off, but again, that means our offensive line has got to be consistent, got to stay healthy, which was a big question for us last year. But Cam Akers, I think, uh, with the mix of Henderson and Malcolm Brown, are going to be a good unit. It's just can the coaching staff uh, commit to giving them enough of the opportunities to make it worth it? You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainer and special guest Brad Madar of Locked On Rams. We are doing the crossover week, Giants-Rams. We're going to take our final break and come back and wrap up the show, so stay with us. Now let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Looks like that's where you added the most uh, players between the draft, between free agency and undrafted free agents. Um, one of the top guys you added, you added uh, Terrell Lewis, uh, I think in the third round. Um, Leonard Floyd was signed. Uh, he, he was uh, cut by Chicago, so you picked him up. Um, some of these other guys you have, let's see, you've got uh, – Jonah Williams looks like added at defensive end. Um, and of course, the centerpiece is Aaron Donald, you know, who, who was just a tremendous talent. Overall, how would you assess the defense? It looks like it's a, it's a rebuild, but I, I'm sure, you know, maybe it's not. 
Yeah, well, it's a little bit of a rebuild, right? You got some corner pieces. You mentioned Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, John Johnson, uh, safety coming back off injury. He was kind of going the right direction, arrow up when he got hurt. Taylor Rapp, rookie last year, had a great year. They had Terrell Burgess in the third round with Terrell Lewis. So uh, those two guys coming in, you expect to get immediate action. Uh, Burgess is a guy that can play safety can play corner, can play nickel corner. Uh, he's going to be a good fill-in for Nikel Roby Coleman, as well as just kind of putting him anywhere. That's the that's the nice thing about Terrell Burgess. He has almost this unposition type of playing style that he can play up against the line and make some tackles. Uh, he can go back there in coverage and be just a pest on man-to-man. Uh, Terrell Lewis, which was our third-round pick out of Alabama, uh, he's got the same wingspan as LeBron James. And that's something that I picked up and heard along the way. And it just keeps sticking in, in my head as far as the athlete that this guy is, the size. If he can stay healthy, he comes from a program in Alabama where it's basically an NFL program. He understands preparation. He understands people coming for his job. So competition. Uh, I really like that pick. The big question for the Rams uh, is that middle linebacking core. Micah Kaiser, uh, Traven Howard, Kenny Young, who we picked up in the trade last year from Baltimore, and then Leonard Floyd, you mentioned coming over from Chicago. The nice thing about him is they, uh, you mentioned Chicago cut him, so he doesn't go against the comp pick scenario for us next year. That would usually hurt when you sign a guy like that, uh, but he was basically a free agent at that point, and Sean Robinson added to the offensive line. Michael Brockers left and then came back, which was kind of a little drama, but I really like that piece coming back because he's a leader. This defense has got some really big names, some really big leaders in the locker room and on the field, uh, but that linebacker group is going to be a question. Dante Fowler gone. Corey Littleton, when he left, I, I literally probably shed a couple tears for him because he was such a leader in the middle of that field. He did so much from uh, covering wide receivers and tight ends to coming in and making tackles. Uh, he was the guy that wore the green dot on the helmet and was the communicator two years ago. It was Eric Weddle last year. So they're going to look to replace that guy with who knows who uh, to kind of do that. I don't know if that's going to be Michael Brockers or maybe Taylor Rapp or John Johnson, someone in the back half. But I'm excited about this defense. That middle linebacker, though, I just keep scratching my head. That's why we really were expecting maybe in that second round going and getting a guy that could have fit in from day one. But uh, they're excited about the group they got. You mentioned all the undrafted rookie free agents. There's a bunch from there with the new CBA and extended rosters. It'll be interesting to see who can kind of sneak on this team uh, and fight for some pitches. And fight for some position in 2020. Final question for you, Brad. What's the one area on this Rams team that really has you nervous going into 2020? Yeah, I almost doubled down on the on the linebacker core, and then maybe a little little side slice of the offensive line because it the offensive line finished the season really strong. Last five games. You started to see them play a lot better. McVay also started to kind of open up his eyes, play a little bit more 12 personnel instead of that 11 personnel that he kind of became famous for on that Super Bowl run. Uh, but there, there's just some questions there. This is a group two years ago that, you know, started every single game for two seasons straight, that offensive line. Um, then you see Roger Saffold leave. Our center retires. Next thing you know, we've got a couple young guys that they had really high hopes on and Joseph Noteboom and Brian Allen. Both those guys go out with season-ending injuries last year. Uh, David Edwards and Bobby Evans were from the draft class the year before. They stepped in and played pretty well. Andrew Whitworth at 33 coming back. 
big question mark. He started last season really slow, finished strong. Um, so there's just a lot of question mark. Rob Havenstein, another guy that finished on the injury last year, had some really good seasons in 18 and 17, but 19 wasn't his year. Uh, so it's just, what are you going to get from those guys? I think consistency is going to be key. Can we get back to running the, the ball? That was the thing that I want to see. Uh, but with an offensive line, if you can't trust them to go do that, it should be interesting. So offensive line, um, I still think is going to be better than it was last year, but I still don't know or have anything to really prove that. And then the linebacking core that I just kind of went into. A lot of young guys that have never had a, a quality amount of starts in the NFL. Uh, so you got to expect for them to kind of just come up and prove it, what you drafted them for, why you didn't draft at that position further. So those two position groups are going to be definitely under the microscope uh, for the Rams in 2020. All right, Brad, the great stuff. Thank you so much for the lowdown on the Rams. And of course, we will see how the Rams and the Giants and the rest of the NFL teams take shape if and when they are able to start training camps. Right now, every team at their 90-man roster limit. Still a lot of questions to be answered, and it's going to be an interesting next few months. So I want to thank you again for the information. And Giant fans, Ram fans, thank you so much for tuning in. For Brad Marder, I am Patricia Trena, and we will talk to you again soon.